Hi everyone, and welcome to The Clinical Practice and the Business of Therapy, Episode 1. I am your host, Landria Seals Green, and today we are going to focus on the B side, the business of therapy. But before we get into the B side and the business of therapy, because it is our first podcast, our first episode in this space, I wanted to give you some background about why we arrived at this particular name and title for the podcast. Now, you can look at my bio and you can see the um, that I'm a speech pathologist as well as a board-certified behavior um, analyst and look at my experience in private practice, but what the bio does not say is that I appreciate clinical practice and the, the therapy, actual therapy, um, working directly with families, and also the business side, the business of therapy. So why not create a forum and a podcast for parents and professionals alike to listen at the same time to understand and to know the A side and the B side. And so with each episode, with each episode and production of the podcast, you will get a side A, the clinical practice where I'll talk about clinical themes and have researchers on that talk to parents and providers about how that should look in your clinical practice or in your everyday life as a parent. And then I have a B side where we talk about the business of therapy. So I will be the host and talk to you about different topics. And I will also pull in different business professionals um, that will also give you insight from based upon their experiences. So today we are focused again on the B side. And I wanted to, to ask this question, and it may sound really funny, but how fat is your therapy practice? How, how fat is it? When I say fat, I'm talking about is it focused? Is it accountable? And is it transparent? And when you have a fat therapy practice, a fat business, you are attractive to your clients and you are attractive to your employees and potential employees. And it, the, the building something fat is inside work. So think about the elephant. He's fat because it's, a, it's an inside job. So he's eating, he's built to be enormous. He's built to be huge. And so he, the intake of the elephant is, 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 is large in order to support the the width to support the size. And so when we talk about something being fat and asking ourselves this question, we're thinking about, you know, well, Andrea, that's such a, you know, cute acronym. And, you know, I always come up with the cute acronym for those who know me. They like, oh, what's in it? What, what, give us a name for this. And I come up with one. So I came up with fat. And when I think about something being focused and the business of therapy and the therapy practice being focused, it really starts with the culture of the practice and that culture of the practice begins with the person and the people or the team that owns it and then those that lead it. So it is a top-down approach. It is a top-down culture that is shaped when we talk about something being focused when we talk about the intake 
of a practice. So when we, when, you know, you, you look at it and you say, oh, well, what, what does that mean? And how is that measurable? And how does that look in my day to day? So the, the, the business owner and clinical leadership, when you are focused, you are, you know, taking time taking time. You're taking time and then you're investing in the thought process of who are we in terms of the identity of our practice? Who who are we and, and, and what do we believe? Do our current services, um, does the customer service and how we pick up the phone, how our front desk people pick up the phone, the knowledge that they have when they are speaking with families, do they know about autism when they are speaking with families from an intake standpoint? Are we focused? So when we say we want to support families and help families, when we say we want to make sure that our families with autism are well taken care of and children progress. And there is a progressive pattern in how they are to, in, in who and what they are to become because we have influenced their learning process and their skill development. Have we invested the time and the focused time from, from an energy and knowledge standpoint in the people that pick up the phone and the people that it not, we, we always talk about the people in our, our registered behavior technicians, or I call them RBTs to be like the behavior technicians or the ABA therapists and all of those people who have initials and, um, and uh, letters behind their names. And, and when you talk about, you think about your therapy practice and the robustness of it and how it is to become fat, that same level of training and education should also be, um, or similar, should also have focused attention to the people that pick up the phone. If we are taking taking well care of the of our families when they call in, our families that we currently treat and the families that we hope to treat, and. The other, the, the, the other piece in terms of time is taking the time to, to think about and give thought to how are we going to be different? So you know as well as I do that every time there is a new batch of BCBA certificates that there are people who are wanting to go into private practice. I mean, they publicly post, I currently work for such and such practice, but I want to go into private practice of my own. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You have people who are in speech pathology. After they finish their CF, they mull over being in practice, um, private practice or you have people who are OTs and PTs and learning specialists. Everyone at some point in their career wants to see a few clients, a lot of clients, or grow an entire practice. And that is admirable. That's a lot of work. And we'll talk about the anatomy of a startup in another segment. So the thing is, is that if everyone is hanging up their shingles, as I call it, if everyone gets a shingle, gets a sign and puts their name on it and, and opens up an office, opens up a business or they're doing home-based services. However, their service uh, catchment or their service offerings are, how are you going to be different from the people who have similar backgrounds and credentials? What is your differentiation uh, from them? What is your different factor? And so we, we always, I always get questions about um, marketing and I always get questions about 
um, get questions about people uh, from Facebook messages. So what should I do about this? And it's, it's never what it's about. And the time that it takes to think about marketing from a mindful standpoint is more than let me copy some business cards and send them out. It's more than let me have my assistant send faxes every Monday and Tuesday to these um, referrals. It's more than that. It is completely about, are you focused? Are you focused? Because when you are focused, your marketing will match that and it will mirror that. Your potential clients can expect certain things from you. So. Um, I am currently the chief clinical officer of a therapy group called Momentum Autism Therapy Services that is based here in Michigan. And the, there are some things that they we, we just will not do. And one of the things that we won't do is, um, you know, a chamber of commerce will have different events and they will have, you know, maybe a wine tasting. And for $30, you can put your card in the bag and everyone who attends this event will be able to see your um, advertisement. And one of the reasons that that is inconsistent with who we are is because one, we service children. Now, while we do want parents to know about us and parents are the consumer, but the child is pretty much the, the person that we will um, impact and influence um, simultaneously and first, we don't wanna do that because it is inconsistent with who we are as a company. It is inconsistent with with marketing in that way. Nothing wrong with marketing in that way, but we are focused. And the focus says that, no, we're going to, even though it's $30 and $30 is not a lot of money, but $30 times five, $30 times 30, $30 times whatever number begins to add up. But more than that, we want to have a level of focus in our marketing. So we will opt out and choose something that's different and more consistent with the actual audience and, and knowledge that there will, there will be better readability and recognition of our, our logo, our brand, our visual marketing. There'll be more recognition and paying attention to it because of the mediums that we decide to pair ourselves with. So in applied behavior analysis, we see um, a new client and we immediately say to the parents, well, we, or we start a new therapist or there's a therapist change. However it goes, we always talk about the pairing procedure. Well, when we talk about adults and marketing, the pairing procedure is still very, very relevant. It is relevant because you want to be careful about who you sit your company's visual marketing, your logo, your brand next to. It is the pairing procedure. And so the pairing procedure is, you know, when a, when a potential client calls and your, your staff person picks up the phone, you have, if they are knowledgeable, you've just paired your brand, the name of your organization with knowledge on the phone. If there's a mix up with the schedule, you've just paired your organization with the inability to have some, and it's trust. So when there is a fluke, a, a fluke in the schedule, there is a dent and the trust factor between the parent and the organization. And trust me, I know, 
I know all too well about putting people on the front lines, putting people to be responsible for answering phones of an, of my of my previous practices and organizations and you know, given the day that they were having, they just didn't represent us in the best way and then the apologies of um, the the schedule mishaps and while mishaps happen because we're human beings you know parents are very serious about therapy no one has planned to take their kids to therapy for an undisclosed an undetermined amount of time you plan to put your kids in baseball you plan to put them in ice skating you have dreams for them when they are growing up you don't dream that you will bring them to speech therapy you do not dream that you will bring them to ABA therapist ABA therapy nor that an ABA therapist will be coming to your home that's not the parent dream it is the parent Oh boy, we have to do this, okay? And 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 then we um, have to be responsible with that when we talk about having clinical practices. So when we talk, when we think about having a fat practice, having focus, being accountable to our clients, being accountable to our staff, being accountable to ourselves as business owners, and so. What you don't want to do is give so much to all the people as a um, business owner. You give so much to your staff. You're always available for them and they can count on you. And you are always available to your families and they can count on you. And then you have nothing left to give to yourself and then you have nothing left to give to your relationships. And at the end and the beginning of the day, you and your relationships outside of your clinical practice are very, very important. In fact, they should come first because they are the things that fill you up. And if you don't do the fill you up work in terms of being accountable to you, then you will at some point burn out and you will lose accountability with those people because you have nothing left to give. And that's when a lot of mistakes happen. Trust me, I know. So here's the thing, you wanna have a fat business. You wanna have focus. You wanna have accountability. And then you wanna have transparency. And so here's the funny thing about transparency. People always think that transparent means to tell everyone everything. And that is not what transparent um, should look like. So here is a good business perspective when it comes to transparency. You People cannot comprehend language beyond their level of understanding. And we're talking about, we, we know this when it comes to the clients that we treat, but we're talking about neurotypical adults. And we're talking about our staff, our, our resources, our talent. So there is comprehension not going beyond their level of understanding or readiness. 
And so you can be as transparent. You can read the Dr. Brene Brown book and um, say, you know what, I want to be vulnerable as a leader. And maybe that will make, you know, my staff appreciate me more or they will understand my perspective or we'll be a better team because I'm just going to be more vulnerable. No, no, no. So you have circles of people. You have levels of transparency. Levels of transparency, levels of circles of people, and they cannot comprehend things beyond their level of capability. So you're having a staff meeting. You have to realize that you're going to have to give the same information at leveled places and on a leveled um, stage so that everyone walks away with the accuracy that they need to walk away with. That is transparency. Transparency is I'm giving everyone the information that they need. And so therapist A is at a certain level. This is, this is what this therapist needs to know to be able to do their job and, and, and to be part of this team. Therapist B is at a different level. So they need to know therapist A information and therapist B information. And so transparency is the thoughtful level of communication. It is not the blurting out process and you're giving everybody all the information that they, that and you're not giving everyone all this information and some of them cannot contain that information. They cannot hold that information nor can they comprehend that information. So when I closed my practices in 2014, um, for many reasons, and the the main reason was that I was just t I was simply tired and burnt out, and so I have taken the last couple of years and decided now what do I really want to do? I, I love teaching, so I went back into teaching and holding workshops and professional development, and I love the business of therapy, so I started to um, coach. Um, clinics and schools and practices that are focused on um, providing clinical focus on getting better um, and and the and we've I've been fortunate fortunate enough to be able to work with um, um, therapy practices in schools that have focused on um, a clinical passion of mine which is autism and that has been wonderful. And aside from having a toddler and now an 11 month, well, she's 11 months old as of yesterday, we've been pretty, pre pretty busy and, and coming up with different concepts and ways to empower the clinical leader because the clinical leadership role is one that is challenging it is rewarding and then there are a lot of sacrifices that we make that don't necessarily require us to make as many or to the depth that we are for the sake of owning a thriving practice or a practice that is hoping to one day thrive. So we want to be able to provide a place and a forum and a safe spot for therapy owners and therapy owners and clinical leaders to say, hey, this is difficult for me, but to also tell you, yes, it is difficult, but it doesn't have to be this difficult or this way. And having a fat practice 
is one step towards that direction. And when I, I didn't spend a lot of time on accountability because accountability requires delegation. And, and when you delegate, you don't want to be left out of the loop as the clinical leader and the owner of the practice. And so you're going to have to build in systems. You're going to have to be billing, filling, um, build in systems. And here is the other piece. You're going to have to allow people to make mistakes. Now just breathe for a moment because when you allow people to make mistakes, those mistakes can be financial. Believe me, I know. And so those, those mistakes can be financial and it can be impactful for your small business. And when you are, are talking about something being a, people being accountable and letting them make mistakes, and then are they afraid to make mistakes? Are they afraid to um, um, come to you when they have made a mistake? So I had a staff member and she had a key, key role and she made a lot of mistakes. And I did not know until she, uh, un, until her, until she left. And then I found this file of all of her mistakes and the financial impact of all that it cost me because I didn't create a safe space for her to make a mistake. And then I had to take a step back and say, well, do I create a safe space for myself to make a mistake? Do I give myself room to error or am I very hard on myself? when I make an error? And the answer was yes. Now I will tell friends and a, um, a clinical colleague of mine is familiar with me saying this to her, be gentle with yourself. But I was very hard on me as I gave that to her. But here's the thing, the culture of your company is created by you. It is created by you. And if I am hard on myself and I don't give myself a safe space to fall, if I don't give myself room to have a human error, then I create a culture of people who are afraid to fail, afraid to make a mistake, afraid to communicate when they don't know something. And then that doesn't do anything for the growth of the business. Remember, the goal of being fat is to put good stuff in so you maintain that weight. And you want to be able to maintain that weight because you are an elephant. And you are an elephant for many reasons. You may not move as fast as your comp competition. You may not um, move as fast as them, but you are powerful. So elephants don't, don't run as fast as a cougar. Or, or, or a lion or a tiger, they don't, but they are powerful because of when, when they enter the room, the elephant knows its strength. And so when you know your strength, you can enter the room at the speed that you are in. So it's not about looking at the therapy practice and the speech pathologist that writes in the, in the Facebook group. I started a year ago and all of a sudden I have a wait list and look at me. It can happen for you too. And so you're saying to yourself on the side of your screen, yes, it can happen for me, but right now it's not. And I have bills to pay. That is, that is true. But I will give you some insight on the person that typed that. She's not telling you 
that she's had to stay up very late. She is tired. She has missed family events and that she probably has a spouse or a significant other who would like to spend more time with her, but they cannot because she's too busy running this practice. And that has become the thing for her. And so the so both of those ends of the spectrum are not good. I've lived both of them, both of them. I, and I lived them both very well. When there was a drought, there was a drought. And when business was great, it was great. And so I lived, very, I lived both of those ends of the spectrum. And the thing is, is that there is a middle ground. There is a middle ground. And the middle ground is being able to focus on who you are as a person and as a business owner. And one does not need to go to the wayside or be neglected or sacrificed for the other to thrive. Both can work in concert of one another if you will it to be so. If you, per, if, if you expect it to be so. So the focus and the fat piece is about the focus of who you are as a person and what your needs are. So right now I have a four-year-old and an 11-month-old. So I like being available for them and myself and my spouse. I appreciate that. So I stay in private practice because it gives me the time that I'd like to be able to spend with my family. I like to be available to my parents who live in another state when they need me. I like to be able to not ask anyone, can I put in for a week's, um, like a, can I put in for a certain amount of time off if I want to have a planned vacation or a planned getaway with um, some friends of mine? Because my relate those things fill me up. They fill me up. So when it comes to my practice, I am better able to perform and to be present in my practice because I'm not neglecting my personal life. When I neglected my personal life, there was a growing burnout that was looming around the corner that I absolutely did not know was there. But it was because I didn't fill myself up with my personal life, those things that fill me up. And so my focus is me and my focus is also on who we are as a practice and who I am as a business owner of more than one business because once you decide that you're gonna have some time, you get real creative. So when you are in it and you are, your nose is down and you are, you are like, how can we get more clients? And that's what you're thinking about. And you're not doing the accountability. You're not delegating and your nose is to the grindstone. Your creativity will begin to get lost because you're not filling yourself up. So the focus the accountability requires systems, it requires delegation, it requires trust, it requires you to be able to error and forgive yourself. It allows you to be, it, it moves you to be able to allow other people in their growing levels of leadership to error and to forgive them. And it requires understanding levels of transparency and how to communicate critical information at all the levels necessary within your business. That is a fat practice. 
And I will tell you personally the other reason why I absolutely love an elephant. And I love an elephant because every time it is knocked down, it has to get up quickly. Because if the elephant stays down, once it's knocked down, it will die if it doesn't move quickly and stand up. And so I am an elephant. And so you get knocked down, you get, you know, you don't get that client or the client, um, the contract doesn't go through or the contract is taken away or the contract fails. Whatever happens in your business, you got to bounce up. You have to bounce back and you have to bounce up and you have to do it strong because you are an elephant. Because if you stay down, you will die. And if you stay down, so does your business. So you have to get up and you have to keep going. But then when you get up, you have to fill yourself again. You can't just get up and keep going as if it never occurred. You have to get up, move forward with the knowledge that it has occurred, the experience of the occurrence, the moving forward with the new experiences and knowledge, and you have to fill you up. So when you focus, what fills you up as a person? What fills you up as a person? How do you then bring that focus, that accountability, and transparency into the culture of your business. And the smaller you are, the more close you are to your employees and the people that work with you and for you. And what you want to do is create the culture now and model what it looks like now, I will tell you, after having failed and after having had successes and after having time to think and be creative and giving myself calculated time now, I'm a much, much better leader. I'm a much better leader because I care very differently. I care very differently. My needs are different as a person and in filling myself up, I don't require my business to do that for me. I don't need to prove to anyone by the number of employees or number of clients or the number of sessions or all those things that people talk to you about at conferences when you say I'm in private practice and they say, well, how many employees do you have? And it becomes a silent, a slow competition and you may feel yourself melting on the inside. I'm a much better leader because I'm filled up. I'm completely, it, and it's, it's different. It is very different now. So I give you that, how focused, how accountable, how transparent is your business. Thank you for listening today. I appreciate your time. And this was the B-side, the business of therapy. And so as promised, on another episode for the same day, you get an A-side. And this A-side is pretty good because it's a good story behind it. I look forward to speaking with you soon. And our new schedule will be publicizing a, um, publishing our episodes every Monday. And we have a couple of guests scheduled to speak with you in April and May. And I'm very excited. So on April 17th, um, which is 
Um, next Monday, we will be hosting um, in a podcast Tamika Meadows, and she is the uh, she is a BCBA out of Georgia, and she is the author of the well attended blog I Love ABA. So I look forward to speaking with her and interviewing her about her work as a BCBA and her thoughts about the business of therapy and her thoughts about clinical practice and parenting and all of those things. And I'm going to ask her, how does she balance it all? Because I'm always looking for balance, um, which I think is a, is a moving target, but we'll talk about that soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.